Welcome to Absolute Destiny, a podcast. I'm Autumn. I'm Chesney. And this is a show where we watch the 1997 anime Revolutionary Girl Utena. Today we are on episode 30, Barefoot Girl. Was that actually the title? Yeah, that was the uh, that was the title. Fuck, I did not pay attention to that. I think <laughs> I got so swept up. Continue. Uh, so content warning for this episode is basically Akio being creepy. Um, this is the first time that we see him getting up into Utena's personal space. And we will be discussing that. I'm just still in shock over the title being Barefoot Girl. Like, it makes sense. And it's like, everything in this show has meaning. Everything. And Barefoot Girl on its own sounds so innocent. I don't know why. I guess because I ran around barefooted a lot as a child. So, like, that's just that. And then girl is just, like, childhood connotations. And then what happens in this episode is very much, like, not for children. (laughs) And the way that when it comes up in this episode... It is him literally hitting on Utena and the chairman's wife. He does the same move twice and we will get to that. Yeah. So yeah, like I think that creepy connotation, it, like I think that juxtaposition is intentional to be that creepy because yeah, it does have that initial feeling of like innocence, playfulness, girlhood. And this is very much not an episode about that. This is an episode about grooming and sex. Yeah. Also, I totally thought you were um, making a double entendre with the coming up with the pe- all the penile in- imagery in this episode. And I was like, all right, Autumn. <laughs> Wait, when did I say that? <laughs> Just a minute ago. He was like, yeah, it comes up. And I was like. All right, Autumn. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of, the very first opening shot of this episode is the dick tower. Uh Uh-huh. Like, the phallic imagery in this episode is not subtle. And actually, honestly, neither is the yonic imagery. There's archways everywhere in this episode. Um, There's an entire scene where every shot is somehow framed by an archway, no matter how implausible it is to keep happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's just like shot after shot after shot of the tower from different different angles. (laughs) Like When the tower shows up, it is not subtle what it is referencing. No, you get it at the very beginning. You get it through all throughout the episode at like, poignant moments or just like it's just there in the background the shot at the very beginning i cannot get over (laughs) just the whole overview of the school featuring the tower and it even looks like it has like a scrotum for a base i just can't (laughs) i cannot and then also there's a lot of um water present in this episode too which again we've talked about uh, representative of emotions. But I think too, that it, that in itself is also representative of the yonic energy as well. Cause, or the feminine energy, because a lot of the time with water, uh, people associate that with feminine 
or feminine energy. Oh, yeah. And also Akio seductively swirling his wine glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get that later. Um, yeah. So th- there's a lot. The, like, I, the point is, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, usually, uh, this is a show that is not terribly subtle with its imagery. But in this case... It is a sledgehammer, just like beating you over the head with the meaning of some of these scenes. Um, Like, honestly, it's so overt that my impulse is to, like, try and read the overtness on a meta level. (laughs) Like, um, clearly, this is the thing that we're supposed to be seeing. So what's the layer that requires some insight to reach you know like that's where i'm taking this one i know that later on when we get to the scene with the chairman's wife vana from empty movement has an amazing essay about that scene that i recommend people check out it's on the empty movement website um but yeah like i'm trying to think of like what the obviousness of this episode is obscuring and I kind of want to give well, ourselves credit here a little bit that like the thing that it's obscuring is that this isn't okay. Because when you think of this back in the nineties, this checks all the boxes for classical romance. And yeah. what's actually happening is deeply fucked up. Yeah. I would agree with that because it's, interesting how throughout this episode Akio seduces Utena but he also does seduce the viewer you do get swept up in like you just said the classical romance aspect of it like uh the moment of him taking off the metaphorical slipper aka her gym shoe um like all of all of that it is the classical romance story, but the parameters of it are wrong. And the fact that Utena's Cinderella slipper is a gym shoe is another part of that like fairy tale romance part that this show is hanging everything on. It also points out the wrongness of it because it's a gym shoe. It's a it's a miner's gym shoe from her gym class so like that's where i agree that that's where the subtlety lies is in just like how the parameters and the actual details of this are wrong even though on the surface it's like checking all the right quote-unquote boxes right so the episode itself opens with wakaba talking to a boy and he's talking about Uh, how his first kiss goes awry and she sees through him and is like, that wasn't your first kiss, dude. The fact that you're lying about this makes this even more pathetic. And it just sets up a pattern for distrust. (laughs) Cause like he tries to pass it off as like, Oh, well, isn't it better when it's a first kiss or when you think it's a first kiss? And she's like, no, don't lie. (laughs) Just be clear, be honest that way. Like, you know, you're starting from a place of honesty. <laughs> Wakaba coming through once again with the truth bombs <laughs> in the episode. And Utena is overhearing this 
And she is reflecting upon what she considers her first kiss or what she might consider her first kiss. Um, She seems uncertain of it. Uh, The time where the prince kissed her tears away uh, back in like the fairy tale opening at the cemetery. And then we cut to the chairman's quarters where Akio is presenting a perfectly baked cake, which Akio sucks. But to be able to bake that cake and do that icing. Yeah, honestly, I got to give this one to him. He did good here. (laughs) (laughs) That is not a simple task. (laughs) I think it's a millennial thing that like none of us know how to bake. And so I'm like way more willing to give him some credit on this one. I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) All the rest of his seduction is just like fuckboy bullshit. But the fact that he can actually bake a proper cake and do like proper icing on it. Like, all right, somebody taught you right on on this one thing. (laughs) I'm not even going to give him that. I'm going to say he used... (laughs) I'm not going to give it to him. I'm going to say he used the box mix. (laughs) This is all bullshit. I call bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm well, the one thing that we do know is that he didn't make Anthe do it. Yes. Because nothing exploded. Nobody's personalities swapped and it isn't just shaved ice. (laughs) (laughs) What I think is so funny about this, this part of the episode um is again like the small subtleties here because you know he brings out the cake and utina is like oh it's rare to find a guy who bakes and like gives him compliments on it and then wakaba comes in and she says the exact same thing as utina and this to me is (laughs) like the foreshadowing of akio just uses the same plays on everyone And one by one, they all get seduced by him. Like, they all end up falling to his same shenanigans. Because this happened with, like, him getting the same compliments for the cake. And we see, again, his repeated patterns with the two people that he seduces in the episode. Utena, and then later, the chairman's wife. Right. So, like... I would just like to plant my flag in the ground here and say that Akio just doesn't um, have a, a single bone of originality in his body. He probably like goes off of one of those, um, what is it called? Pickup artists books. <laughs> uh, no, but it's somehow Akio definitely wrote one of those books. I don't think yeah. he needed like to read it. I think he has written one. I would agree. He's the moderator of like one of those Reddits. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know, always be escalating. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I can't even remember the terminology. It, it's gross. But anyway, <laughs> he, he does all the things. He, he checks all the boxes on that, um, including playing the numbers game of not just going for his fiance, but also Utena, and also the chairman's wife, and also Wakaba. Like, <laughs> yep. And again, <laughs> reminder the chairman's wife is his fiance's mother. 
Like, this dude has no boundaries. No limits. None. None. (laughs) Not a single one. So, speaking of subtleties, though, one of the things that is in the scene that comes back again and again throughout this episode as a recurring image is the candelabra that's on the table. There are three candles that are lit, and the breeze that shakes the flames, that makes them flutter, matches, I think, the fluttering of Utana's heart. Yes. We don't see a heart, we see a candle flicker. And... If you think of this as like the torch she is carrying for her prince, each time Akio makes her heart flutter, one of those candles goes out. Like one, two, three. And then by the end of the episode, she is fully in love with him and has left behind her prince. I honestly dread what comes next. You should. And there will be a whole new set of content warnings for next episode, but we are not there yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, the next episode is infamous in the series. I have a palette cleanser episode planned for after. Okay. Um, because both we and I believe you, the listener, will want that. <laughs> yeah. Wakaba arrives with Anthe and... Wakaba is fawning over Akio. And the, the scene had opened with Utna complimenting Akio on his baking. And almost verbatim, Wakaba repeats the words that Utna said to compliment him. And each time, Utna, like, increasingly frustratedly is like, I already said that. I just said that. I already told him that. <laughs> <laughs> and... Wakaba confronts her about it. Is like, hey, don't fuck this up for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> and Utina's like, dude, he has a fiance. And she's like, that doesn't matter if there's not if there's no love. Which, coming from like an American perspective on marriage and love, that qualifies like pretty high on like the horrified monogamy level of, oh my god, you don't ever say something like that. Um, if you think of it from almost any other culture, like there was at least some more openness because there was some acknowledgement of the fact that financial constraints would keep people married even when they shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, but to hear her just like Machiavellian attitude toward this of like, I have a crush on him, so I'm going to say what justifies me keeping that crush and not thinking badly of myself. (laughs) It's like, Wakaba, we are seeing a side of you that we have not fully seen before. (laughs) I think like, arguably, we have gotten tastes of it, but not in romance specifically until this moment. Yeah. Um, But a noteworthy subtlety in this scene is Anthea appears to be genuinely enjoying herself. Um, how much of that is like masking because she's in the presence of Akio and how much of that is genuine because she's in the presence of Utana is unclear. But I think the fact that she's actually smiling through most of this scene puts it on the sincere side of it for me. And that it's not necessarily masking. It's just this isn't a moment where Akio is being overtly threatening to her. And so 
her guard is down at least a little bit. Yeah. Because like I always say in abusive relationships, it's not always bad. And that's the trap. There are the parts that you actually genuinely like. There's also another, I don't, I wouldn't call it a subtlety, but there's another set of recurring moments that happen. um, And one of which is in this scene where Utena will have a reaction to Anth- Utena will have a reaction to Akio and immediately looks to Anthe. And yes. most of the time she has a look of guilt on her face. And the whole episode, I'm questioning, do you feel guilty because you also have feelings for Anthe? Or do you feel guilty because it's like, oh, that's her brother? It can be both. I'm just so curious as to what's really going on when she looks at Anthe like that. I read it, especially in a later scene that I'll talk about. I read it as guilt. Yeah. Because I read it as guilt that she has feelings for Anthe that she hasn't acknowledged or spoken about. And the first hint that she has those feelings is this guilt. Like that whole compet thing where being raised in the world that we are, you just assume you're straight until you cannot deny it any further. So like Utina is going through the world, not even considering that what she feels for Anthe isn't just friendship until she's doing something that betrays those feelings. And now her first hint about how she actually feels is this guilt she feels about falling in love with Akio and that she is transferring from the prince to Anthe in this case where she's thinking about it in terms of like oh I can't abandon my prince but the thing she's actually feeling guilty about is betraying the feelings that she has for Anthe that's my read on this I am open to hearing other reads on that dynamic no I mean that pretty much settles it for me but if you dear listener have other interpretations uh of that you are more than welcome to send them in to us so the scene ends with a brilliant match cut in which wakaba starts the sentence if you don't loosen up a bit and then it cuts to the counselor saying you'll never fall in love and we cut to a scene of the counselor and the vice principal basically tag teaming Utana <laughs> and um, they, they just speed bag her about like how she shouldn't act the way that she acts and she shouldn't be wearing a boy's uniform. We, we come back to that thing again. Um, and Akio rolls up and saves her. And just by force of his presence, the two of them start tripping over themselves to um, like accommodate him. Yeah. It's very clear in this scene who has the power and authority in this school. And it's never been more clear that Akio is absolutely the one in control during this episode, both from this encounter and from pretty much every encounter he has after this every scene he's in after this. So the vice principal drops a comment here that 
I don't know that I like I've heard it before, but it just stuck with me this time. Otoria Academy has a sister school in Amsterdam. Okay, I'm so glad we're talking about this. I mean, of course we were going to, but like what the this... fuck goes down at that school? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Blew me away. Um, because the fact that there's one of these schools in existence, period, is like horrifying. So <laughs> if there's more than one, um, that's bad. At this point, it's like an SCP that's like uh a <laughs> like asexually reproducing to like make more of itself on the planet. <laughs> I mean, Otori Academy already, I think, qualifies as an SCP. Yeah, um, <laughs> it absolutely does, which is why I'm so concerned. <laughs> so at this Amsterdam school, is the castle in the sky like a Japanese style castle? Like, does this look like that castle straight out of Kyoto where like the Imperial Palace? Like <laughs> <laughs> Are they also frozen in time? Like... I just have so many questions. Like, who's the chairman of that one? Does the chairman there try to fuck the students? Or is it like some <laughs> inverted thing where, um, I don't know, like, instead of sword fighting, it's gunfights. And uh, no, that would be if it was in America. Um, yep. Yeah. I no, know. it's it's probably like kill a kill or something. <laughs> Although that also took place in Tokyo. It did. Um, have you seen Kill a Kill? I don't. Th oh, hell yeah. I love that okay. show. We have to talk about this like off the show sometime because I did not know you had seen it already. All right. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, listener, I want your theories about the Amsterdam school. Like, what is going on there? How did they become sister schools? What happens at that school? If you have fanfic of the Amsterdam school, send it our way. Yes. I want to know, like, what happens there. Like, I don't have a fully developed enough idea because it just stuck out to me this watch. I think just because, like, we're taking notes and I'm watching it so carefully and so closely. But, like, I heard those words and I'm like, wait, what the fuck happens there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please send in your, your fanfictions and your uh, headcanons. I we are dying to hear them. Hold on. I'm I'm gonna look this up on AO3. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna see if there's like an Amsterdam school tag for Utena. Oh my god. No results. Okay. Uh somebody out there get on that and write that fic. Because I wanna <laughs> know what happens at the Amsterdam school. Like I wanna know, like, are they also color coded? Like, do they have their own absurdly powerful student council? Or I don't know, like is everyone there like dukes or something instead of princes? I want to know what your thoughts are on the Amsterdam school. Um, this is clearly me just like dissociating and coping with the content of this episode by focusing on something completely unrelated. Um, <laughs> As do all fans of shows who experience something traumatic. <laughs> um, what if... And this is like spiraling completely out of control. So I apologize. What if the Amsterdam school is just like uh, Ebony Darkness Dimension? What's her name? Ebony oh, Darkness God. Dimension. Are you way. About the, the Maya Mortal. <laughs> yes. 
Like, it's just, <laughs> it's just fucking my immortal. <laughs> oh. oh man. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Um, somebody do that. Somebody put scene. that in. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the scene that is like hammering us with the Yonic imagery, where everything takes place in an archway including Akio rescuing her and putting his arm around her and spiriting her off um, to go have a private conversation watching the Rose Garden. And Anthe's inside working while they're chatting. So, like, keep in mind that piece of this, that, like, while she is off having fun with Akio, Anthe is still working and doing her job as the Rose Bride. So, like, on some level their fun is coming at Anthe's expense in this moment. But also, file away in the back of your mind that Anthe's efforts feed into what Akio is doing. I'm not saying she's causing it. I'm not saying she's, like, a, like the source of it. But, like, she's enabling us. Oh, in yeah. In some way. Yeah. And, like, Akio then pulls out the classic I'm too old for you but I'm gonna hit on you anyway line of you're my sisters no you're my special friend and god my skin crawls even saying that anyway (laughs) yeah just Um, horrible but like he says this and Utena's heart flutters and we know this because the candelabra flutters Mm -hmm. and so we cut to a different scene. Utna and Akio are together still. This time they're at the side of his car. And she's like, I've been seeing this car a lot lately. And it's, <laughs> I bet you have. <laughs> um, it drives around the dueling arena these days every time you get into a duel. Which, like, kind of surprises me that she doesn't say anything more on that or, like, piece that together. You know? I feel like it's implied. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like dude i see this car a lot you gonna you gonna explain that no all right well whatever i see you <laughs> he's like no i'm just gonna sit here and rub my car creepily <laughs> oh my god the way he strokes his car i hate that i hate it <laughs> i had a visceral reaction to you even saying that just now <laughs> <laughs> god, like Here's the thing. If Utena was old enough, some of this would be like genuinely hot, but she's not. And there's no way to like separate that from seeing what's happening. It's like, dude, stop. (laughs) Again, Akio wants you to forget that. The show itself does not. (laughs) Yeah, like this is set up to push all the right buttons for the viewer as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And to like slide past your resistance to what is happening and to get you to not question what is, what is up with this scene. Um, I commented on Twitter in a conversation a while back about like the way the show gaslights you. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um. And it lulls you into a sense of safety and security the same way that Akio does to Utena. Because nothing in the plot leading up to this, if you weren't looking for it, like, we were looking for it. 
you know, we're, we're doing a podcast about this show. We are closely examining every scene that takes place. If you're not looking for it and you don't know what to look for, a lot of this can slide by you. And I say that because I've been in the fandom long enough to know there's a lot of people that miss the cues until like this and the next episode. And so honestly, there's also a section of the fandom that argues that like, actually it's okay. And like, I want to shut that down or right the fuck now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think nah, man. in universe, I think in universe, Utana is what would be known as assenting. She cannot consent. Yeah. She is not legally allowed to do that. She is assenting in that she is not resisting what is happening. She is allowing it to happen. She is permitting it to happen. And I think that will be an important part of her narrative going forward from all of this. Um, I think Utana mentally will need that piece of this to be like, no, I was in control of my actions. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, that need for control will prevail in like the narrative she tells herself about all this going forward of like the narrative that the person tells themselves about the incident being yeah. like so crucial to how they heal from it going forward or even like whether they internally consider it something that needs to be healed from it is still wrong it is still a crime <laughs> oh, right and, and again it's also important to note here that Akio is the adult in this situation and is completely, uh -huh. completely aware of what is going on and what he is doing. Because there's a part yes. later where Utena is like, oh, but my prince. And he's like, your prince. Like, she's kind of protesting and he's still pushing forward. So this is not, it's still predatory. And yes, there's just absolutely. no way, there's just no way around that. Absolutely. He is very intentional. He's very intentionally going after Utena as a grown ass man. <laughs> Without a doubt. So there is no like, oh, it was innocent. No, bitch. No, <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, so Wakaba rolls up with like, one of my favorite line reads of this entire show it's is just the so way good. that she's like, Utena. <laughs> <laughs> it's it it both hits the mark as like best friend, what are you doing? And like somehow like older woman calling you out on some shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so she asks, like, why are you guys sneaking off together? Um, and then she immediately pushes Utna to the left and tries to get with Akio herself. <sighs> I both get it and have issues with it. And also, like, there, <laughs> there is, like, on some level, a genuinely charming piece of this where... Wakaba has no concept of how dangerous Akio is. And yeah. if Akio was a safe person, this would be kind of an adorable scene. But he's not. And that is what we call dramatic irony. We know that he's terrible. She does not. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that her 
reaction to this perfectly encapsulates the 16-year-old girl experience because it's like, ooh, here's this attractive older guy mm-hmm. who has a car. Uh, so it's exciting for the younger person and they may or may not know whether or not it's wrong. It's just it's exciting for them. I think that, that it perfectly captured that part of the experience, the innocence there. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, like if he was a safe person, that's the layer it would have stayed on. That That is the level it would have been the whole time. And it would have just been like a cute little fight between friends mm-hmm. where she's trying to push in on on Utena because she's jealous. Um, and keep in mind that jealousy piece for when we get to the next scene with Wakaba. But Akio's like, well, yeah, if you've got a couple hours to spare, we can go. And then as soon as Utena tries to join them, Wakaba shoves her away and says, uh-uh, three's a crowd on dates, which is a line that will come back to haunt Utena. Yeah. Um, when this happened, by the way, I was horrified and so scared for Wakaba to be alone with him. Yeah. Because uh, I, quite frankly, didn't know what was going to happen and was just like praying for the best <laughs> that it would just be a drive. And I think it was just that, hopefully. If I had to guess, I'm thinking that's all it was. Because Wakaba isn't his target. I think he is humoring her. Um, As gross as Akio is, that's one where I don't get the sense that he would take advantage of that moment. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part, but I don't read it that way. I don't read that moment as something that he would take advantage of because I hate to say it this way. Wakaba isn't special in his eyes. Yeah. He has nothing to gain, really, from her. And that was like a whole plot point in Wakaba's Black Rose arc, is that she isn't special enough for this school, in that sense. And part of her knows it. But at the same time, I'm like, no, fuck that. You absolutely are. Just no one sees it. Yeah. Um, Because you don't get to be at this school unless, like, there's some part of your history that, you know, like, traps you here. And I mean, the good thing is that when Utina asks her, like, what happened the next day, she does just say, oh, it was just a drive. Don't overthink things. So, like, thank God for that. (laughs) We just have to trust Wakaba on her word. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I feel like if something had happened, she probably would be acting differently. Yeah. That, yeah, that's another one. Like, had she come back to this date having just been assaulted, I think we would have a very different episode on our hands. Yeah. Or if he tried to seduce her the way that he seduced Utina, she'd be like gushing about it the next day. Right? Right. So I think I think we're good. It was just incredibly worrisome when she went and I didn't know what the hell was going to happen from that. (laughs) So then we have the the cute way that they say bye to each other. And the line read on that is going to come back as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so when Utina and and Wakaba say bye bye, it's cute. It's sweet. It's kind of mocking <laughs> from Wakaba's end. Um, <laughs> as in, haha, I just got the guy and you didn't. But that line read will come back. So then the next scene is um, Wakaba basically bragging about it. And she confronts Utina and says, you're jealous. And this is a classic moment where she is projecting her own jealousy onto Utina. Wakaba had to fight to get Akio's attention. Utina just has it. Yeah. Utina is not at all jealous of Wakaba, but Wakaba is insecure about her place in all of this. And so she projects her own jealousy onto Utina by calling Utina jealous. And Utina responds in classic Capricorn fashion of like hell I am and is about to throw down with her when Anthe shows up. And this is that first moment where Utina meets Anthe's gaze and instantly feels guilty about everything that's happening. Like she has that look of guilt that almost says like, I feel like I'm cheating on Anthe. Yeah. Even though like nothing has happened yet, emotionally that distance is starting to grow. And she know like she may not even be able to name what that is. She just knows she feels it. And it feels wrong with respect to Anthe. Like she's doing something that would hurt Anthe. And she knows that's wrong. Never mind her own safety in this moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, she knows it would damage her relationship to Anthe. And that gives her pause. And like she has this moment of feeling guilty. And she tells herself it's not true. And I think the it's in that, re- that sentence is referring back to the line about jealousy that She's saying she's not jealous of Wakaba, um, which also then betrays maybe a little bit of jealousy that Wakaba got to go on the date and not her. Oh, yeah. I was going to say there is a little bit of jealousy there from Mutena. And this whole thing has just shaken her and continues to shake throughout the episode. Her core belief of there's only one that I love and that it's my prince who saved me. And this moment in particular reflects that she's getting shaken from both sides about this. Yeah. Because it shakes her up when she looks at Anthe and when she has interactions with Akio. Yeah. When she looks at Anthe, they are making eyes at each other. Like mm-hmm. that is a look of romance, not friendship. We yeah. have flipped the page on that. We are no longer in just best friend roommates territory. I would argue we've been here this entire plot arc, but this is where I think Utina is starting to catch up to the plot in terms of her own understanding of her feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She may not be able to name it yet, but she can no longer pretend those feelings aren't there anymore. And so she even says like, yeah, like you said, the one that she loves is the prince. But then why is her heart pounding? And so the doki doki means that's the onomatopoeia for heart pounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and while she's thinking of Akio, we get this shot and this shot will be mirrored next episode 
in a really uncomfortable way of the way she is midair doing a layup. The wind is blowing her hair and it's this very lovingly animated shot. And she's clearly got her mind on something other than the game. And she's thinking of Akio and then just takes a dive. She twists her ankle. She goes down hard. The ball bounces off out of bounds. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) This scene has a horror movie sound effect and aspect to it. Because she goes to dunk the ball and sees Akio's shadow in the windows above her, like watching the courtyard. And it takes her so by surprise and is such a jarring moment. Like she's already thinking of him, like you said, and then suddenly he's there. Yeah. As a shadow watching her creepily. Of course it's jarring. It's, it would freak anybody out. (laughs) And then, yeah, she falls. And that I was like, holy shit, is this the first element of horror we've gotten in Utena? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't think so. Um, Yeah, the Black Rose Saga was pretty horror-esque. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it threw me off because the show is usually not like that. Like, we have not had a taste of that since the Black Rose Saga, I don't think. Well, I would say that, like, more than just horror, the scene isn't meant to... I don't think it's meant to be, like, a horror scene. I think it's meant to put you on edge. Yeah. To get you in that excited state. Um, so that like your feelings are lurking right below the surface the same way that Utena's are. Mm. Um, because like she falls and is like, there's something definitely wrong with me because that's what first love can feel like, you know, like it's literally never happened to you before. And now there's this person you can't stop thinking about. And the feelings are literally overwhelming. Also, I just have to point out that from this moment forward, everything is orchestrated and planned out to happen exactly as it does. From Utena seeing Akio shadow in the window and her falling, because that is what sets everything in motion. I have to believe that that criminal fucking mastermind, Akio bastard... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, has planned this out precisely every single moment and even has Anthe be complicit and orchestrate some of it along with him. But this is what starts. This is the first domino that falls and knocks all the other ones over. This had to happen. She had to sprain her ankle for her to have that moment of vulnerability where he could save the damsel in distress. Well, he doesn't save her yet. He isn't even the one who saves her. Anthe does. Anthe is the one who comes by and helps her and starts walking her to the infirmary. Um, And I don't know if that is itself part of the plan. I think that is, you know, Anthe being Anthe, both in terms of doing something that she wants to do for a person she cares for, and also, you know, um, helping facilitate Akio's plans. But I think in that moment, when she is walking Utena to the infirmary, I think that was Anthe. 
I think that was her showing her feelings for Utena. And because of that, Akio needs to cut in. It's like cutting in on a dance. Mm-hmm. Utena's true love has rescued her. So now, like Biff in Back to the Future, he's going to cut in on the dance. Yeah. Uh, and Utena is about to either confess something to Anthe or ask something of Anthe. She says, by the way, Himemia, there's something I... And she gets as far as that, and the car rolls up. I want you to put your tinfoil hat on. What was she? What was the end of that sentence going to be? I don't know if she was going to... It was something with her feelings. She was. I think she was going to try to talk about her confusing feelings. I don't know how far she was going to get. I think at this point, she is not fully self-actualized her feelings toward Anthe. I think if anything, she was probably going to say something about Akio. Okay. I happen to agree. I think that if anything, I think it might have been Utna asking Anthe what Anthe was going to say the other night. Mm. Because Anthe has a couple of times now tried to tell Utna something. Probably the truth of what's going on with Akio. And she catches herself and stops. So, like, there's at least a part of Anthe that is not on board with the master plan anymore. You know, we saw that all through the first and second arcs. The second arc went so far as to imitate someone who was trying to kill her. But this one, we're starting to see Anthe push back on the master plan. Maybe even on her part in the master plan. It could be her master plan that she is now trying to undermine. She's having second thoughts about. But with this, I th- I want to I want to think that Utsuna was going to ask Anthe, "Hey, what was that thing? You know, there's something I wanted to ask you about. What was it you were trying to tell me? Or I want to tell you about these feelings I have for Akio." Yeah, or it could have been like they just have the conversation they have later in their bedroom, right then and there. Where she asks, like, you know, have you ever been in love? Blah, blah, blah. Sure. At the end of this scene, Akio pulls up and he hits Utena with the, the look. And the first candle goes out. The first of the flames that she was carrying for the prince goes out. And we get the, we get the commercial break. And there is a new eye catch music when we come oh, back yeah. from the commercial. Yeah. It is much softer, much more romantic. Now this is the thing in this scene that is particularly batshit crazy to me because Akio pulls the same line that Wakaba said earlier in the episode of threes a crowd with dates to his sister justifying him driving off with just Utena and leaving Anthe to walk home. Now, first of all, douchebag move right off the bat because that's your fucking sister. <laughs> yeah. You're just you're just gonna leave her there. <laughs> like what? What? Um, second of all, you just said three's a crowd with dates to the person who is engaged to the person you're driving off with. Now. <laughs> You are also engaged 
Yeah. Uh, the person in your car is a minor. Y'all are not in open relationships. You are not in polyamorous relationships. There's just so many layers of things that are wrong here to where I'm like, yeah, Akio, you got to say the cool line, but like, you're a douchebag <laughs> to the nth degree. Yeah. I cannot believe he just left Anthe there. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And as they pull off, Anthe is there. And we have Anthe with the covered glasses again, where the reflection is keeping us from seeing her eyes. And the way she says bye bye is in this like scheming tone. Kind of like, creepy. The, like that's the only way I can describe it is scheming. Yeah, kind of creepy. Not going to lie. Like, she knows what's about to happen. And, like, the the trap is being sprung, is how I, I picture this. Like, there's this moment of victorious scheming, is yeah. how, I, how I'll put it. Almost like this was her plan, not Akio's. Yeah, and that's what worries me. So, then we cut to the car ride. And we see a shot of the coast and Utana very directly names the names one of the two elephants in the room, which is you're getting married next spring, right? (laughs) (laughs) The other elephant in the room that she is a minor never seems to come up. Can't imagine why. But she does point out like you're engaged. So... (laughs) but then the candles flicker and yeah because he doesn't answer when the wedding is Mm -hmm. so it gives her like a little spark of hope yeah which i hate to say and they end up returning to the school and he's helping her out of the car helping in dick tower sized air quotes (laughs) um and he says oh, you should stay off, or the doctor says you should stay off it. Um, And so he takes her shoe off, like the reverse of Cinderella. Um, Instead of like trying the shoe on, he's taking the the slipper off. Like he lightly caresses her ankle with his fingers. She says, you're a playboy. You're good at making girls feel good. And she says, there's something dangerous about you. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, girl, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're you are in danger. <laughs> um, and she says, "You don't act very much like a chairman." To which he replies, "Well, you defy the rules by wearing a boy's uniform. We're the same, you and I." Which should be a red flag right there. Like that's villain talk. Like that. That's villain shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anytime somebody goes, but we're the same. You're like, all right, villain. Instantly spotted. Yeah. Um, but also, like, this is part of that grooming piece, too, is putting the idea in her head that they are more similar than they actually are. Yeah. And that it is drawing that connection between them. But. She's playing checkers and he's playing 3D chess. They are not the same in this moment. He knows way more about what is really happening here 
than she does. She's caught up in her feelings. She is caught up in the moment. This is a chess move for him. Yeah. He may like it. He may like this chess move, but it is a chess move and not a love story. Yeah. Again, he's also preying on her confusion. Yes. Because she says to his comment of like, oh, we're alike, you and I. She says, yeah, but I do this for my prince, the one that I met long ago that I loved. And he's like, who? (laughs) (laughs) And this is another moment where we cut away to the tower and it is not subtle where that's going. Mm -hmm. Um, And Akio says, rather than on my back, I should carry you in my arms. But he doesn't do either of those things. He pushes her down for a kiss. Mm-hmm. And it is implied that they have sex at this moment. I have seen others read it that way. I think there's a valid read to be had that they don't. And we'll get there. But but it yeah. has been suggested that that's also what happens here. Yeah, I didn't read that they had sex it's still even though it's predatory the the whole thing st- felt too like fairy tale innocent especially because we get that flash like that super quick insert shot of like utena laying down almost like a snow white type moment and then him kissing her it it still felt too fairy tale sweet as opposed to other moments we've seen well, that's, and other implications. That's like, that's like the fondant on the cake, right? Yeah. Like, that's the layer that obscures what's actually underneath. Oh, and there's where the cake reference at the beginning comes in. <laughs> and so then we have a shot of Anthe standing in the archway, holding the candelabra, which now just has one lit candle on it. And again, her eyes are covered. Yeah, Anthe fucking sans teleported in <laughs> to the <laughs> background of the shot with her fucking eyes glowing behind the glasses and then just teleported out real quick. It's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this had like the fairy tale vignette over it. And now it has this like very ominous <laughs> layer to it, which it's supposed to, you know, this whole thing was orchestrated in a scheme. But it's just like, all right, Sans, calm down. <laughs> so then we have our shadow girls and the shadow play this time. Uh, one of them has these magical dancing shoes that as long as she's wearing them, she keeps dancing. The other has a set of shoes that she won't wear. And the one who is dancing is talking about like how good dancing is. And you're a fool to carry them, but never wear them. Yeah. Life's too short to never dance. And this one, I think rather than like conveying the moral of the story, the ordinary way that they do, they're just recapitulating the story. They're retelling the story of this episode with one of them kind of justifying things the way that Akio would and the other the way Utena would. Yeah. Utena is holding the, these feelings for the prince and those are like 
the dancing shoes that are not being worn. So she has this feeling of love, but it's directed towards someone that functionally doesn't exist. Like the prince may have inspired her, but he is not someone present in her life to love or be loving toward. The other is Akio, who never stops. Mm -hmm. To the point where the dancing has lost all meaning. It's a, a burden <laughs> in that way. Um, and at least that's like on the surface level. I'm curious what your take is. Yeah, I mean, one of them even says, if you keep wearing these shoes, then you'll just dance until you die. And that's basically what Akio is doing, is he's just doing the same dance over and over and over again because they're frozen in time. They can't age. <laughs> at the school. So all he's doing is just performing the same, the same dance, maybe with a different partner here and then, but it's all for his same purposes, his own scheming. And then it's like the question that they pose of, but is that really satisfying? I think applies to that scenario too, mm -hmm. because it's like, yeah, if you have this, this thing, but you never get to enjoy it, are you really living? And in the same breath, if all you're doing is the same thing over and over, are you really living? Yeah. So then we have the bedroom scene. And I want to point out behind this scene, there are two moons. Yep. In the let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. This is my favorite part of this episode. <laughs> this is where I get to flex my astrology. <laughs> <laughs> I was so motherfucking excited to see uh, not one but two moons in this window in the background while they're having uh, Anthea and Utena are having their usual bedtime conversation. Um, in a previous episode, we saw what I think was Saturn. Um, and then we like tweeted the discussion we had after the episode about that. Well, she's 10 years too young for a Saturn return, but. I get where you're yes. going with it. <laughs> yes. Um, this one with the two moons, I interpret uh, as what some astrologers call like the Lilith moon, which is like the dark side or the shadow side of the moon. So in astrology, Lilith can refer to a couple different things. There's an asteroid called Lilith. And then there's also um, this aspect of the moon. Um which also refers to the shadow, the aspect of the self called the shadow self. Um, the self that maybe you don't quite like as much. Um, things that you try to hide or repress about yourself. Um, that you don't want other people to see or even that you don't even want to acknowledge is there. Um, I think from this interaction... Obviously, it's representative on some level of Utena not being able to admit to herself that she does have feelings for Anthe and then also has feelings for Akio because she's still struggling with that at this part in the episode. Okay. But I, I also think, you know, if we're looking at Utena as like the hero archetype and this shadow self, um, being like her antithesis or the side of her that she doesn't want to acknowledge, it would be like, it would just be her quote unquote darker side, the side of her 
that wants to experience these things, that wants to express her feelings and sexuality and doesn't want to be bound by this code of honor and nobility that she's taken on from the prince. Okay. I also think, too, because Anthe is there, that this is hinting at Anthe's darker side, which we see throughout this episode with the glare on the glasses and her scheming. But yeah, I think it's just the idea with Lilith and the shadow self um, is that, yes, there are these um, darker parts of us or parts of us that we don't like, don't want to acknowledge, etc. Um, but they are still a part of you. They are still part of you as a whole. And you are a whole person. So it's important to integrate these things, these aspects within yourself. So all of that long-winded thing to say uh, that it speaks to just Utina's journey and maturity um, and the lesson that she's learning with this. Now, I, I hate to see where this goes in the future because the way that this episode ends implies that you know, she has fallen for Akio. Um, I want to clarify that integrating the shadow aspect of yourself doesn't mean uh, going along with a predatory relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like just embracing who you are as a whole person that you make mistakes or um, that, yeah, maybe you are jealous or yeah, maybe uh, sometimes you don't always do what's right. Not like, Oh yeah, it the message is it's okay to be a predator or, you know, right. something along those lines. <laughs> See, for me, I was seeing the two moons as being both of them finally being like their emotionally present selves in this scene. Mm. Um like I had never heard the astrology piece of this before. So like right now I'm just like sitting here processing that. Um, while mm -hmm. also trying to like explain myself <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot astrology stuff is a lot <laughs> um but yeah like i think there's a piece of it that is like the idea of showing these two either like orbiting each other or one of them occluding the other because mm -hmm. like one of them does pass very directly in front of the other um you know, which one you would consider to symbolize which of the two characters is an exercise for the listener. Um, but yeah, so as for the scene itself, it starts with Anthe asking if Utena's hungry because she didn't eat much at dinner. And Utena's like, yeah, I wasn't that hungry because she's busy thinking about this thing that Wakaba said, which was that there's no wrong love. And Utena's like, but there really are people you shouldn't fall in love with. I want to point out your theory was that she was thinking of Anthe in that moment. She mm -hmm. was not. <laughs> yep. Fucking rip. <laughs> uh, F's in the chat for Chesney on that one. <laughs> for real. <laughs> <laughs> because Utena was actually talking about the worst person ever, Akio. Like, yes, girl, there absolutely are people you should not fall in love with. And he is fucking one of them. Uh <laughs> yeah, I literally wrote in my notes, 
in parentheses, she's right. (laughs) (laughs) But this is where Anthe like drip feeds a little bit of doubt to, to Utena on that, where she says, I'm not sure about that. As in, she's not sure that you can't fall in love. There's people that you shouldn't fall in love with. But Wakaba's right that there's a part of love that you can't control. And this, to me, is like a flashing neon sign of like, no matter what, Anthe refuses to see Akio as unlovable. Yeah. Or their relationship as wrong. Yeah. One or the other or both. Um, but we don't dwell on that moment for too long because then Utana asks, do you have someone you love? And Anthe very clearly says, I do. I have a prince of my own. And the way she says it, there isn't the hesitation that you would expect. So my question to you, is Anthe talking about Akio, the prince, or Utana? I don't know. And I like freaked out at this because I'm like, why doesn't Utena question that? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> push further, girl. Like, get that juicy gossip. <laughs> um, but yeah, because I was like, does she mean her brother or does she mean Utena by the prince? Because technically, Utena is her prince in the sense of like they're engaged, she's the Rose Bride, etc. I feel like she's talking about her brother, though. And I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I do. (laughs) Because I, from the conversation, just in the context clues there of like, I'm not sure about that. But there's a part of love that you just can't control. And then straight to, I have a prince of my own. I'm like, oh, I think she's talking about Akio. Okay. I would love it if she's not. I literally cannot say what I think at this moment because it would be super spoilery. Yeah. (laughs) I I would love if she's not. Uh, Prove me wrong, Anthony. You know what? This is your invitation right here, right now. Prove me wrong. I want you to. Spoiler, she's actually talking about Ruka, who has since died, and it's super sad. Bruh. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a video out there that is, like, famously misguided in how terrible its take on this show is. But there is this galaxy brain moment of referring to Ruka and Toga as Sonic and Knuckles. Incredible. <laughs> and I was just like, that is worth the half hour of garbage I just sat through. <laughs> I never thought of it in those terms. But yeah, those two are fucking Sonic and Knuckles. <laughs> you know what, Autumn? And that's the next podcast that we'll be doing is just a rewatch of this entire show, but n- now we're just comparing it to the Sonic lore. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the next podcast that we do is going to be us watching the 90s Sonic show. Oh. Did you not know that there is a Sonic the Hedgehog animated series from the 90s? I don't think so. Well, friend, if you are today's lucky <laughs> 10,000. <000. laughs> And perhaps you, listener, just found this out as well. 
Um, no, it is a gem. It is terrible and awesome at the same time. Oh my god. It has exactly the energy you want a Sonic show to have. It is pure chaotic neutral. It is a thing of wonder. Um, but that is not what this podcast is. This podcast deals with Knuckles, who opens the next scene. When he <laughs> is talking to Akio in the car, being like, ah, Utena, huh? Oh my god. <laughs> That is what we call a professional scene transition. Yes. Uh, <laughs> excellent. Excellent segue. Um, by the way, Toga just casually drops uh, in this scene that he is also in love with Utena. Yeah. Just, okay. And then we just smooth right on past it. Yeah. So he introduces it by talking about um, the gym shoe. And he's like, is Utena, the owner of this glass slipper. Again, drawing the fairy tale parallel. This episode is a fire hose of fairy tale references. Uh, and Akio says, You fell for her, right? And he cops to it. He's like, Yeah, I did. Losing to her was a shock, but the bigger shock was finding a girl who shook my beliefs, my core beliefs. It was the only time I've reconsidered how I live. And so we finally get this in this moment. We finally get it. Like he lost to Utena and then sank into that depression that lasted an entire plot arc. The entire Black Rose saga then comes back as like new, improved, upgraded Toga, who is now like the true sidekick of Akio. But he has a sense of purpose that he did not have in the first arc of the show. And now we get it. He has completely fallen in love with Utena. He sees her now as a person and not just a means. And I want to give Toga that credit. It gets a little shaken coming up. But this is a moment of growth for Toga. And we're going to see this arc continue where he is going to do some things that are not in his self-interest for the first time. Oh, shit. Yeah. Buckle up. Um, it's, not a, it's not exactly a redemption arc, so don't, like, don't read too far into this. <laughs> okay. Um, it's more like, okay, I guess there's hope for you. Begrudging hope. Yeah, like you're just uh, being a 17 year old douchebag. You're maybe not like a narcissist, like narcissistic personality disorder. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God. Like you're just 17. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they both then have this moment of having this like this bro moment of, dude, she's awesome, right? Like, yeah, dude, she is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so the next scene. The music from this scene continues into it. We are back up in the uh, chairman's chambers. And I didn't write this down. I think it's Akio who asks if Utena feels okay. It's either Akio or Anthe. I can't remember. Um, do you have it in your notes? I did. I didn't write it down either. Oh. Um, and Utena's like, how do I even answer that? But before she can like formulate an answer... Kanae arrives and uh, Anthe greets her and 
Kana is like taken aback yet again. She's like, for heaven's sake, will you ever call me big sister? <laughs> but before we can dwell too long on Kanae's arrival, Akio's future mother-in-law arrives. We get a red spinning rose over a shot of Akio and a white spinning rose over a shot of the mother-in-law mm-hmm. as he is taken with passion and she is taken in by the charms of her prince. And like this is a, our first clue that like something's up with these two. By the way, uh, it's it's breakfast. It's breakfast time. We just saw like Utena drinking some tea and them talking about, oh, you don't want any breakfast. Uh, the next shot after the red rose with Akio and the white rose with the mother-in-law is uh, <laughs> them in his office and he's got a big ass goblet of wine. <laughs> it's like <laughs> nine in the fucking morning. <laughs> he's like, well, mother-in-law's here. Glug, 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 glug. <laughs> I mean... You could view it that way. You could also view it as their game of cat and mouse. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because he spirits her away to the planetarium floor. And he pretends to care about, like, the reason for their visit. Like, he upholds enough propriety here to make a gesture that she's there for some official purpose investigating anything about like how he's been running the school. Uh, And he said, then he makes the first suggestion of, or maybe this is something we can't talk about on the phone. And she cuts back with asking if he's avoiding her daughter and reminds him that he can be removed. Mm -hmm. But even in saying this, it feels more like the kind of threat that just dials up the sexual tension. It's not a real threat. It's, oh, no, no, I have control here, not you. Mm-hmm. Um, this, is a, a, this is a sexual thing. It's not her trying to, like, wrangle him in, in terms of, like, getting him to take his job seriously. Oh, no, not at <laughs> all. Um, no, if anything, the only other read I could get off of this is that he feels threatened that his power would be taken away from him even just a little bit so he begins the seduction as a means to keep it i you know i wonder if it's even like that machiavellian i i think like this is just like a baser urge for him (laughs) (laughs) i think he just legit wants her but It's interesting to see the tables turned. We have, in this moment, the one adult woman in the show who wants him for him, that he is not, in that at least in that moment, just playing. Like, this goes all the way back to the Black Rose saga with Tokiko, where he clearly is seducing Tokiko to mess with Mikage. (laughs) (laughs) yeah um for once we have somebody who at the very least could be seen as an equal or even a superior Mm -hmm. and it's a very different dynamic there but at the same time he puts the same moves on her 
that he put on Utena. Yeah. He says, I'll name a comet after you. He says, uh, he leans in, making it about like the fact that he's wearing Kane's favorite fragrance, but he's doing the same thing physically that he did with Utena in the car. Mm-hmm. And then again, he's got his playbook and he's sticking to it. <laughs> yeah. And then he slips off her shoe, just like he did with Utena. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> the way that like everyone has been hammering him this episode about the fiance thing, he turns it around and is like, how's the chairman? Yeah. And she's like, she- who cares about him? <laughs> yeah. You're the only one, my prince. So again, we have that white rose piece uh, coming back around of she views him in a princely way. Except I would say like with their age difference and the fact that she's so much older than him, her seeing him as a prince rather than being a fairy tale thing is almost like an age thing. Yeah. Like he's a prince, but she's a queen. Mm hmm. I love this scene. I highly encourage folks to um, read the essay on empty movement about this scene. It goes into way more depth. We do not have like three hours to dwell on this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is well worth the read. So yeah, then the last scene in the episode uh, is the viewer looking at Utena, looking out a window in a classroom again. And Wakaba's talking about, oh, I finally saw uh, the chairman's fiance. She's pretty and smart and rich, and I could never compete against her. And Utena's just kind of looking thoughtfully and a little sad through the window and just repeats to herself, the only one I love is the prince. And then the fl- the final flame on her candelabra goes out. Yeah, she's in now. She's in it. I really hate it for her. I really do. <laughs> Shit's gonna get bad. So what are your predictions for next time? Uh, we saw Nanami and Utena sharing, like, Anthea and Utena's bed. So that was interesting. Yeah, why is she crashing there? Yeah, and then they talk about, there's something about- no, I want a- your prediction. Why is she crashing there? Oh. <laughs> hmm. I wonder if she, I was going to say, I wonder if she finds out something about Toga, but I don't think that that would drive her to Utena. I think, honestly, something probably batshit wild, like her house burned down, (laughs) happened, and she needs a place to stay, so they offered (laughs) it to her. (laughs) Knowing Nanami, it was like, somehow, Anthe got in here and tried to cook again, and the whole house blew up. Like... (laughs) It's probably something like that. But uh, it talks about a closer understanding and the episode title is Her Tragedy. And I am just... Whose tragedy is it referring to? Ah, Anybody's. Honestly, I think it's all three. I think it's Nanami. I think it's Utena. And I think it's Anthe. I think it's all three of the girls featured in the episode preview. Okay. If I pull Utena out of that list, which of the two do you think it is? It kind of seems like Nanami from the preview. Okay, what's the tragedy? Her house burned down. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we're we're too deep into this 
to cop out with that. You know too much about about Nanami at this point. What is the worst possible thing that could happen to Nanami? She loses her brother or she loses that connection to her brother, which I'm like, if she finds out that Toga's in love with Utena, why would she go to Utena? It just doesn't make sense. I mean, she would go to her to beat her ass or try to. <laughs> she she couldn't. I don't think she could beat her, but she would try. Um, but I, yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is that she found out her brother is in love with someone else and she's like losing her entire world because that is her entire world to her. Okay. I wonder either how way, close you got with that. Yeah. Cause either way that could go like that little tale I just spun could go for either Anthe or for Nanami, honestly, because they're both so obsessed with their older brothers. Yeah, that's fair. So, for those who have been listening currently, and if you're listening in the future, this will not matter to you at all. But for those who've been listening currently, you know that the month of June has been kind of chaotic with how much traveling I have been doing. And so our release schedule got a little haywire. We have received a substantial amount of listener mail. Yes! Too much to do at the end of an episode like this. So our next episode is going to be a listener mail episode where we just sit and answer your questions. Fuck yeah. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So if you have any that any like burning questions that you want to ask right away, um, it'll be a few days from now before we record it. So if you're listening to this the day we release it and you just have to get your question in, send it in right away because we'll we'll get to it. we have unfortunately like caught up to ourselves as far as recording and release schedule. We no longer have a buffer. Um, a lot of that came down to health issues that I've had this year and then traveling. But uh, now, as you write in, you will probably hear it a week or two later um, at this point. So if you would like to write in, you can reach us at Absolute Destiny, a podcast at gmail.com. You can also catch us on Twitter at Zetai Unme Pod. I'm also personally on Twitter. I'm at Life in Neon. And then all my social media stuff, Twitter, TikTok, Twitch, uh, is at CarCutie. Uh, also want to do a really quick shout out. Uh, today is our friend and guest star on the show, uh, Carly's birthday. So happy birthday, Carly. We love you. Happy birthday, Carly. We love you. We want you back. Um, I don't, even though technically next episode is a Nanami episode, I will not burden you with coming back to guest on that one. (laughs) (laughs) It is, it is the one Nanami episode that is not a fun Nanami episode. Oh no. (laughs) Um, I, I think it doesn't even technically qualify as a Nanami episode. Because I don't think it's written by the person who wrote the Nanami episodes, but I should look that up and check. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if you have anything you would like to to say, if you would like to ask us a question, please send that in as soon as you hear this. Um, obviously, like if you're not current on the show, then we'll get to it when we get to it. Question mark. Um, but if you are listening currently. Um, we'll be recording the mailbag episode in the next few days. 
So get the, get those in and we will we will answer your questions. And your fanfics too. Don't forget those. Yes. We definitely want the school in Amsterdam and like what's going down with that school. So yes. send us that fanfic and ask your questions about the show. And we will catch you next time. <laughs>